Today, I want to wrap up a series that I've been in, a series that, um, I don't know about you, but it's challenged me. Anybody been challenged by the series that, that we've been in? Come on, flatter me. Everybody raise your hand. Just say, yes, we've been challenged more than we've ever thought we could be. You know, I mean, we've been, I've been challenged. And you say, well, what's the series? Well, it, it, the series that we've been in for the past few weeks is called, or entitled, Don't Tread on Me. Don't Tread on Me on me. And you say, well, what's this about? Well, the subtitle really explains what we've been talking about for the last few weeks. And it's, we fight, we are called to fight for the things that God cares about. Amen? (laughs) We're called to fight for the things that God cares about. And you say, well, what does that look like? Well, I'll explain it here in a second. But, But this series, like I said, this series has really challenged me. And I hope that it's challenged you as well. And you say, well, how? Well, I believe that this series, in, in me at least, has, has challenged me to become a better Christian by caring and not only caring about what's happening in our world or what's happening in our church or whatever, or what's happening, you know, what God cares about, not only caring about it, but actually fighting for it. See, there's a difference. When we can come to church and say, man, I care about this. I care about that. I care about everybody. But if we don't do nothing about it, then it's meaningless, right? It's just a bunch of talk. Um, and so I believe this. I believe, and I've said this this whole time. I believe as Americans, I believe as Christians, we have the right and the responsibility to fight for the things that God cares about. But listen, while at the same time caring for those who oppose us. You need to hear that as well. I mean, we can be, yeah, let's fight. Let's get our guns. Let's shoot. You know, let's get them. But listen, it's not necessarily about just the fight. It's about caring also for those who oppose us. I mean, that's what Christians are known for. That's what we should be known for. Maybe not what we are known for, but it's what we should be known for. Because here's the truth. Our war is not against flesh and blood. I mean, again, some people, they just want to fight the system. They want to fight this. They want to fight these people. They want to fight this party. They want to fight this, you know, this deal. Listen, I mean, while we need to take a stand and all that stuff, but our our true battle is against the spiritual evil in our world. And I don't know if you know that there's a spiritual war going on, but there is. And you know who leads that spiritual war in, on, the, on the enemy side? It's the devil. And the devil wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy this church. He wants to destroy your children. And here's the thing. I will not stand by and not fight the devil. I'm not going to do it. I'm not. I will fight. I will fight. And I will fight. You know why? Because Jesus fought. You say, well, you know, we're not supposed to fight anything. We're supposed to be a little, you know, hum- humble, and we are supposed to be humble. We're supposed to be a little subservient, little passive people that just let everybody kind of have their way. No, listen, what did Jesus do when the devil attacked his temple? He turned the tables over. He got angry. Some of you guys are like, oh, we're not supposed to get angry as Christians. No, listen, the Bible teaches us not to sin in our anger. But it's okay to get angry when the things that God cares about are being trampled upon. And you say, well, how do we respond? Sometimes we need to turn some tables over. Some of you guys are like, oh boy, that's not... (laughs) Some of you guys are like, "What what are you talking about? Well, no, listen. I'm not talking about violence. 
I'm not talking about bombing people. I'm not talking about shooting. I'm not talking about all that stuff. All that stuff are the deeds of darkness. We are called to fight by, number one, we talked about this, exposing the evil in our world. We expose it. We, we show people that this is the true light. This is the true way. And we, we, we fight in a way that honors God. Okay? And you say, well, what do we fight for? Well, we've already covered two things, and we're going to cover the third thing today. The first thing that we covered last, or a couple weeks ago, is we fight for racial reconciliation. I don't know about you, but I've had so many people of, of a different color come to me after I preached that. They may have Facebooked me or even come to me after church today. I had an African-American woman who they visited our church for the first time. You know why they visited our church? Because they got on our website and they saw that I was preaching on racial reconciliation. And they go, well, what's this about? They clicked on it and then they came to church. So you're thinking, well, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> See, for me, that's, that's, a, that's the reason why I do what I do. You know what I'm saying? Because, because God cares about racial reconciliation. You may be thinking, well, no, that's a, that, the racism is a part of politics. Racism, the government's going to solve that problem. No, they're not. The church is going to solve that problem. I desire for our church to have a, a little bit of a glimpse of what heaven's going to really look like. You know how we do that? We make our church as diverse as it can be. If there are Hispanics in this community, we're going to try to reach them. If there's African Americans in this, in this community, we're going to try to reach them. Because we desire to, to, to honor God. Because you know what God says? We are one in Christ. There is neither slave nor free, black nor white, Jew nor Gentile. We're one. And so we're going to do that. We're going to be intentional about that. So we fight for that. The second thing that we fight for, and we talked about this last week, and again, we, we watch statistics on our, on our websites. We watch statistics, you know, on our Facebook and all that stuff. And, and I, I mean, I don't remember how many, over a thousand people have, have viewed or listened to or, you know, been to our Facebook page and looked at this topic. Um, you know, and, and you say, well, what is it? Well, we fight for the unborn child. When you go to our website, our website, when we, when we preached on this, our website had a spike in it. The highest that it's probably been in two years, we had a spike of how many people have visited our website. Just that week, that one week. We have over a thousand people visit our website every month. And you say, well, again, what's the point? Well, we fight for the unborn child, okay? We fight for the unborn child, yeah. If you didn't listen to that message, I encourage you to listen to the message. Um, because all the questions that you have as a Christian are answered in that message. I would say not, maybe not every one of them, but majority of them. Majority of the, the debate over abortion is answered in that message. So I encourage you to listen to it. I encourage you to watch this movie as well. There's, there's a, a video that I watched before I preached this uh, on the unborn child. It's called the 180movie.com. 180movie.com. Go listen to it. Go I mean, it, it'll help you. Um, and, and here's what else I would encourage you to do. And, and again, you, you may be thinking this is too far, but I, I would encourage you, there are some videos out that, that, um, that were exposing the, the, the plans of a, a group called Planned Parenthood. I would encourage you to watch those videos so that you can realize what's truly going on in our world. Some of you guys want to stick your head in the sand and say, oh, we're not, this isn't really happening. No, it's It's happening. And we're going to talk about it today. We, we've got to fight for it. We've got to fight for the children. So I would just encourage you to do that. Um, 
Today, I want to wrap up this series by sharing with you one more thing that I believe that God cares about. And, and it, it's something that I believe that we ought to care about. Okay, here's number three. And we're done. We fight for America. We fight for America. Now, again, some of you guys are like, Bo, you, you have so become a politician. I mean, when are you going to run? I mean, can I just tell you what I believe I want to be? I want to be a patriot. I don't want to be a politician, but I want to be a patriot. You say, what is a patriot? A patriot is a person that vigorously supports his country while fighting for the things, again, that they believe in. And they're willing to fight for it. That's what I want to be. I don't want to be a politician, but I believe that God has called every Christian to be a patriot. And so that's what we're going to talk about. You say, well, uh, you know, everybody would agree. Everybody, you know, would say, you know, we are, uh, America is the greatest nation on earth. We would all say that. We all appreciate America. We would proclaim that we're the, you know, we live in the land of the free, the home of the brave. Right? We sing about it. We, we wear the t-shirts. We, you know, salute our flag. We do all of those things. And all of those things are, uh, are right. They are amazing. But here's the truth. Sadly, I believe that for many of us, that's where it ends. We, we wear the t-shirt. We, you know, do the things that, you know, we're supposed to do. We, we applaud when it's time to talk about America. We hold our hand over our heart and we pledge our allegiance and all those things. But that's where it ends. Can I just tell you, in today's world, it's not enough. It's not enough. I can tell you that our world is changing. I mean, again, you, you, you may look like I do and you may be thinking, you know, what is happening in our world? I mean, why, why are we headed in a direction that we're going? Why are the foundations of America being rocked to the core? Can I just give you the simple answer? And this is maybe way too simple, but I believe that it's true. The simple answer is this. I believe it is because Christianity has stopped being the foundation of our nation. Now, some of you guys are like, holy crap, but I mean, again, what are you talking about? Well, some people would say, you know what? The, the, the America was never founded on biblical principles. It was never founded on, you know, on, on the Bible. Well, you know what I have to say about that? Bull crap. <laughs> was that politically correct? I'm sorry. Here's what, I, here's, here's what I want to show you. I don't carry big bills, but I carry $1 bills, okay? On this side, on, one of the, on both sides, what does it say at the top? Anybody know? The United States of America. On the other side, under above the one, what does it say? Does anybody know? In who? In God. So you're saying, oh no, this 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 you know, America wasn't founded on biblical principles. America wasn't founded on you know Christianity. Bullcrap. I mean, you look at the, the the Pledge of Allegiance. You know what the Pledge of Allegiance says? It says that we are one nation under God. You know what the Declaration of the Independence says? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and they are endowed by their who? Creator. 
So don't tell me that our, that our world, that America wasn't founded on the biblical principles. Here's the truth. Based on those examples that I just gave you, we see that our nation and God were inseparable. They were together. And that's the only way that, that it works. We got, we, got, we, got, we got off somewhere. And so you say, okay, but whose fault is it? Whose fault is it that our foundation has changed? And some of you guys are like, well, those dang politicians. I mean, that dang president. I mean, all those people, all those crooks, those little weasels that are in the you know, White House. I mean, that's, I mean, it's all their fault. Now, listen, it's it, it partly because of them. I would say that. I'm not going to be you know, naive to think that. But, but here's what I believe. While they play a part, I believe that the majority of the blame falls on the church. You're like, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> That's kind of a slap in the face. But listen, here you say, well, how do you, why do you, why would you say that? Here's why. Because I believe in most cases when it comes to the fighting for the things of our nation, we have lost the battle because we haven't shown up to fight. Amen. We have lost by forfeit. I mean, I used to wrestle. We used to wrestle. I grew up wrestling all my life. And if you ever came to a match and the person didn't show up, they, you know what that's called? It's called a forfeit. Guess who wins when no one shows up? The person that shows up. Listen, in many cases in our country and in our world, there are fights going on, but the church isn't a part of them. I don't understand it. I've never understood it. And, and, and again, you say, well, why don't we do that? Well, it's, we don't, we don't want to have an argument. We don't, we, you know, we, we're fear that we're going to be accused of having a political agenda. Now, listen, I don't have a political agenda. I have a spiritual agenda. And it's to fight for the things that God cares about. And, and again, because we are feared all of this, we have handed over the reins of our nation to, God, to ungodly men, men and women who do not fear God. We've said, hey, you go ahead. We're going we're gonna to just sit by. Here's my question. Why, why have we as Christians steered clear of being part of the system, but then we blame the system for the failures of the nation? Because <laughs> I hear it all the time. I, I talk to Christian friends. They're like, dang late, dang politicians, dang nation. I mean, what's the, what the crap's going on? And, but, but here's the thing. I, here's what I want to ask them. Have you ever been a part of the system? I mean, they say, well, yeah, I vote, but is, have you done more than that? Do you, know you, do you know what the issues are? Have you ever read about any of the issues that are on the ballot? I mean, many of us, myself included, have showed up to, all of, to, to go vote, and I don't even know what I'm voting for. Anybody? Raise your hand. Yeah. And so, we, you know, again, we, we go, the stupid system. I mean, if the system was fixed, then it would be all well. No, listen, it takes more than that. It's not, it's not a matter of what we say. It's a matter of what we do. And so here's something I don't understand. If our forefathers founded our nation on biblical principles, if those that signed the Declaration of the Independence and the U.S. Constitution, who served as our presidents from the beginning, if they thought it was necessary for the government to incorporate biblical principles into lawmaking, then why are we scared to fight for them to be together now? 
If they said this was okay, why are we scared to fight and say, it's still okay? I mean, I hear things like, you know, government, religion, government, I mean, they don't mix. I believe they should. Some people say, well, you know, the church should just stay out of the government. I believe that we shouldn't. We say, you know, we got this whole idea of separation in church, of church and state. Can I just do a little, I did a little research. You know, the word separation of church and state are never found in our constitution. Not one spot. You say, what about the first amendment? It never says there is a separation of church and state. It just doesn't. I mean, the, 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 the government will maybe use that, but it's not in there. You know what the, you know what the first amendment says? We have the freedom of speech. We have the freedom of religion. We have the freedom to exercise our religion. Not just believe it, but practice it. And listen, because here's the thing. The, 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 the First Amendment restricts the government's involvement in the church, but not the church's involvement in the government. You get it? I mean, I, I, it's, it's what we were founded on. The church was involved in the government. The church was the foundation for the government. The church influenced the government. They had power and influence. And so here's the thing. While I believe that the real problem, the real people to blame is, is us, here's what else I believe. I believe the answer for, for the, the, for the, to return to the, to the great nation that we are and the great nation that we should be, a nation that honors God, I believe this, that the church is the hope of America. The church is. Here's, here's what I believe. If we don't do what God has called us to do, nobody will. I mean, you, you look around and go, oh, no, we just need to support this council. We need to support this, you know, this lobbyist. We need to support this. And that's fine. That's dandy. That's all that. But listen, if, if not us to fight this battle, who? If not now, then When? I mean, am I going to look at my kids and go, hey, we didn't fight. We didn't do squat for you. Here's a, here's a sorry nation who doesn't believe what, you know, again, the Bible believes, all this stuff. I mean, we're just going to hand it to them and say, hey, we talked a good game, but we didn't do squat. I mean, again, while I believe that we're to blame, I believe that we are the hope of the world. I believe that through Jesus, the church can make a difference. And we're called to do that. We must be willing to fight we must be willing to be a patriot. To, to love our country and to fight for it. And you say, well, okay, Bo, how do I, how do I be a patriot? How do, how, do, how do I as a Christian become a patriot? Well, can I just tell you this? It doesn't, it doesn't solve anything to go yell and boycott and you know, put on Facebook all the things that you stand against. We have to show the world what we stand for. Does that make sense? I mean, I can sit here and gripe all day. I can gripe about all this stuff. But it's not enough to curse the darkness. We actually have to shed light in the darkness. Does that make sense? And so you say, well, how do we do that? Well, we've already looked at it. The first thing, we expose darkness. We expose evil. Ephesians 5.11, take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, what is the word? Say it with me. Instead, expose them. I mean, again, we're supposed to expose evil, injustice, hypocrisy. All those things we're supposed to expose. The second thing is we speak the truth in love. I mean, if, if we're going to make a difference, then we have to actually speak. So many people are silent. 
I mean, they're silent. They don't know what to say. They, don't, they haven't done their homework. They don't, they don't know how to handle these issues. We've got to educate ourselves. We've got to read some books. We've got to, you know, again, get informed. And then we've got to speak the truth in love. If you don't know what you're talking about, don't talk about it. Just say, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to find the answer. When your buddies say, hey, what do you believe about this? Don't give them a bunch of your opinion. Go to the Word of God and find out what God says about it. And then go give them your opinion or His opinion. So we speak the truth in love. I mean, the Bible teaches us that. Here's how else we fight for America. We pray. One of the greatest, if not the greatest weapon that we have to overcome the, the, you know, the evil in our world is to pray. I mean, listen to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. It says this, Then if my people, God's talking, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their what? Land. You know what God's telling us? He's saying we ought to humble ourselves. We ought to say, God, we need you to forgive us. We need you to forgive us for standing aside and allowing the world to take over the reins. When, when, you know, again, it's our job to have the reins and to, to, to influence our world. And he says, if you will humble yourself and you will pray and you will seek his face and you will repent of your sin, he promises to hear our prayers, to forgive our sins and heal our land. You know what my hope is for this series that we've done in the last few weeks? That you would realize what you're supposed to pray for. I don't know about you, but before, you know, preaching this, I I never really worried about or even thought about praying for racial reconciliation. I don't know. It never really crossed my mind. Before, you know, before I, I, I studied this and before I did this, this uh, teaching, I never really, I mean, I did maybe periodically, I never really consistently prayed for the unborn child. You know why? Because it just wasn't on my radar. You know what my desire is? My desire is now that you would begin to pray for it. You know why? Because prayer changes things. It's not our power that changes things. It's His power. And if we don't ask, then we won't receive and so we've got to pray for our nation. We've got to, again, we've got to pray consistently. And so if we're going to see America blessed again, we're going to see it, you know, pleasing God, then we have to pray for it. But it doesn't end there. The fourth thing is this, that the church must regain moral influence in America. If we're going to make a difference, we have to regain our influence I mean, you look at Thomas Jefferson, you look at John Adams, you look at, you know, John Madison, all these people that were a part of our founding fathers, they influenced America. But something again has happened and the church has taken a step back and we've not been able to influence America. And you say, well, how do we do that? Here's how we live out our Christian principles. You say, how do we do that? Well, here's what, I'm, here's what I believe. Here's, and this, this may be, again, too simple, but here's what I believe. Our conduct as Christians has more potential to bring about change than any candidate we vote for or any law that we make. It's our conduct. 
It's our behavior, uh, the behavior of Christians that can that can be the only way that our nation will return back to the nation that pleases God. And you say, Bo, how do I behave? How am I supposed to behave? Well, number one is this. You 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 obey the law. <clears throat> and that, you say that sounds simple, but a lot of kids nowadays, for some reason, they don't know they don't know they're supposed to obey the law. A lot of people don't know that there's a, they're supposed to obey the law. I mean, I, I'll just be honest with you. I had a conversation with my nine-year-old, my seven-year-old, and my five-year-old. You know how, um, you know, my kids, they're not naive. And, and usually when I'm on Facebook or I'm on, you know, my phone, if somebody starts, you know, screaming, if sirens go off or if music starts playing real loud, guess what they do? They come straight to me. <laughs> Anybody? Come on now. You got kids, something, you know, weird goes on your phone, like, boom, see, boom, see. You know, I mean, it's like this music comes on. Guess what they do? They come right to you. What happened? I mean, my kids, you know, I, I'm on my phone. I'm watching something on my phone, and they come to me. And, and I, I, one of the things that was on my phone was I was watching this, you know, it, it was the anniversary of what happened in Ferguson, okay? The, you know, and there's all these people lined up, and they're lined up across the highway in protest, and all of a sudden, the highway patrolmen, they all step in, and they all start saying, clear the streets, clear the streets. And guess what? One of the, I want to call him a thug, because he is a thug, and I'll tell you why. One of the thugs looks at the police and says, I'm not going to do it. And he starts backing up like this. He starts, he starts running around like this, and the police are like, get out of the road. And he's sitting there running like this, and all of a sudden, he backs into a highway patrolman, and that highway patrolman plants his butt in the ground. Now some of you are like, I'm clapping for that. That's weird. No, listen, you know why he did what he did? You know why that highway patrolman did what he did? Because that person wasn't obeying authority. Here's, here's the lesson. You know what I told my kids? I said, kids, listen, here's, here's the simple fact. If you obey authority, if you obey the law, then you have nothing to worry about when it comes to getting in trouble, getting shot, or thrown in jail. That was a good scare tactic, right? But it's just true. I mean, if you just obey authority, then you won't be in trouble. If you disobey authority, you are putting yourself... Listen, it's not the policeman's fault... In every case, it's not the policeman's fault, but you are putting yourself in a position to get in trouble, to get shot or thrown in jail if you disobey. You say, well, what's the point? Well, here's what I believe. For the church to gain influence, we have to teach this to our kids. For the church to gain influence, we have to do this ourselves. We have to obey the law. And you say, Bo, here's the thing. You say, Bo, what do I do when the law says something that contradicts the word of God? Here's what I'm going to tell you. You obey the word of God. You say, Bo, I don't believe that the Bible, and I'm going to come up here because I haven't seen you guys. <laughs> you, go, you say, Bo, I don't believe that the Bible would say that we are supposed to disobey the law. No, listen, the Bible is clear and there are situations in the Bible where God says it's okay to disobey the law. I'll give you an example. Daniel, I mean, the country that Daniel lived in in the biblical days, Daniel, they said, don't pray to your God. Guess what Daniel did? He opened the windows of his house and he prayed. Guess what happened? 
He got thrown in the lion's den. Guess what happened after that? The lions didn't need him. You know why? Because God protected him. You know why? Because God was for it. You say, what else? What? Ever heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I mean, the Bible teaches us about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What, what did they do? The, the King Nebuchadnezzar, he was the king of their day, and he said, I want you to bow down to my image. Guess what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said? No. Guess what happened to him? They were thrown in a fiery furnace. Guess what happened to him in the fiery furnace? They came out of it not even smelling like smoke. <laughs> guess, guess who went into the fiery furnace with them? Jesus. You say, oh no, we shouldn't, we shouldn't practice civil disobedience when it comes to, you know, when it comes to, you know, the law. No, listen, there is a place for it. But, but you say, well, is that what we're supposed to do? Am I supposed to just go there every time? No, listen, if it takes place, you need to stand with the word of God. But the majority of the time, that's not even going to happen to you. So here's what you do. You obey the law. It's what's going to regain our influence. I can't say I need influence when I don't do what the law tells me to do. You say, what else? I mean, how else are we supposed to gain authority? Here's what we do. We use our freedoms to serve other people. You say, what does that look like? Galatians chapter 5. It says this. For you have been called to live in what? Is it Galatians chapter 5? You have been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in, one, in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. You say, how are we going to regain influence? We ought to serve one another and love our neighbor as ourself. You say, well, what else? What, if we don't do that, what's going to happen? Well, it tells us. If you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Here's the truth. If we just sit there and we just talk, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. We just sit there and devour people and we just, you know, say bad things about our government, politicians. We're, guess what we're going to do? We're going to destroy ourselves. But when I begin to say, okay, I don't know that I can agree with what you say, but I'm going to serve you and I'm going to love you anyways. Guess what we gain? We gain influence. That's what we do. We, we regain influence. And so if we're going to fight for America, if we're going to regain our influence, we have to say this. We have to ask the question, how can I help? Not, not what can I do to, you know, to stand against something or to, to, to be on, you know, just to stand with fists and all this stuff. No, how can I help? How can I serve? How can I show love? What can I do? And we do what is responsible We do what is just, not what is justified. We do what is moral, not what is modeled. I mean, again, so many people say, well, if it's legal, then it's moral. It's not true. We've got to ask ourselves, no, what pleases God? And do what God wants us to do. Not because it's legal, not because somebody says it's okay, but because it pleases God. And so listen, we, we can become the model for the world to follow. <laughs> I love that. I don't know about you, but I love that. I, I am so sick of the world leading the church. And we just follow along like little dogs on a leash. 
I want to be a church that leads the world. Does that make sense? Yeah, now let's clap. Come on now. We can regain that. And you say, well, what else do we need to do? We have to fight together. If you go, "Ah, I'm just not going to fight for my biblical principles. I'm not going to fight for the word. I'm not going to fight for what God cares about. Then we're never going to get anywhere. We got to do it together. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. So here's what I want to Here's what I want to end with. Do, do you believe that God cares about America? Yeah. Here's, here's what I want to say about that. If you truly believe that, then you will be a patriot and you will fight for what God cares about. You'll do it. It won't be, hey, I'm just going to go to the rodeo, say, you know, pledge allegiance. I'm going to sing the national anthem. I'm going to, you know, pull out my money. I'm going to do all these things. It has to go further than that. It has, to, it has to go be more than that. We can't just be passive Christians that stand aside and go, here's the reins, you can drive. We have to do something about it. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. Okay, we're going to get honest. Nobody's looking around, but I want to ask you a few questions. How many of you guys would say, you know what, Bo? I'm probably more of the passive Christian, and I don't really speak up. How many of you guys would raise your hand and say, that's me? Come on now. It's okay. Yeah. Listen, maybe those of you that just raised your hand, you need to say, okay, Lord, what does it look like for me to fight for America? Maybe that needs to be your prayer. Again, it may, be, it may look different for you. It's okay. But at least you ought to get in the battle somewhere. Maybe you just need to pray these simple prayers. Prayers of commitment. Lord, Lord, help me to fight for what you care about. Help me to fight for racial reconciliation. Lord, help me to fight for the unborn child. Lord, help me to fight for America. Whatever that looks like, if you want me to speak up, if you want me to shut up, if you want me to enter a race, if you want me to vote a certain way, if you want me to to read and educate myself in a certain way, whatever that looks like, Lord, help me to fight for what you care about. Maybe we just need to come before the Lord and say, Lord, we need you to forgive us. We humble ourselves before you and we ask for your forgiveness for us just standing about, you know, aside and allowing all the things that we care about be thrown out. We just need to say, God, forgive us. Maybe your prayer needs to be, Lord, help us as the church to regain our influence in America. Help us to be willing to be a patriot, to fight for the country that we live in. Lord, help us to change our world. Listen, my hope that is, 
is this, that as the church, as Thousand Hills Ranch Church, that we would not, not just sit aside, but that we would fight for the things that God cares about. And that we would look evil in the eye and we would say, do not tread on me. Because I believe that's what pleases God. Lord, I come to you and I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to enter into the fight. And Lord, may we not fight against flesh and blood, but may we fight with the spiritual weapons against a spiritual battle. And may we win. Give us the the weapons that we need. Give us the information that we need. Give us the the people that we need. And, And may the church unite so that we can be a united states of America and a United States that pleases you. And so Lord, help us to do our part. Help us not to be passive, but to do what you've asked us to do. And may we do it for your glory. Lord, I I thank you for this church and the things that, that you're doing in and through our church. And I pray that you would expand that to reach our world, not just this community. And may we do it for your glory. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. You guys have a great afternoon. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Bo Haig at Thousand Hills Ranch Church in Woodward, Oklahoma. Please join us next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Woodward Livestock Auction.